Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. For those interested in additional resources or services, such as the weekly planners, online planners for Chrome or Outlook, keynotes, live training, coaching, or certification, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. Now, when you listen to an episode that resonates with you, we invite you to share it with your family, friends, and team members so that they can experience the same type of motivation and results in their lives. Also, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit the subscribe button. It works on Apple, Stitcher, Google, or whatever platform you're using so that you can get a new podcast reminder each week. Now sit back, let's get started, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, and I am excited for the guests that we have with us today. She is an executive and leadership team coach, author, speaker, facilitator, and the host of Defining Moments of Leadership podcast. She is unparalleled at helping leaders identify and break through stuck patterns of communication that get in the way of high performance. And she is known internationally as a facilitator of meaningful conversations, a host of dialogue and a passionate agilist. She is the author of Build Your Model for Leading Change, a guided workbook to be a catalyst for clarity and confidence in leading yourself and others. So welcome, Marsha Aker. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you. Oh, good. Thank you. And before we get started, I'd like to tell you just a little bit more about Marsha. She's the founder and CEO of Team Catapult, a great name. Way to go. (laughs) (laughs) A respected and sought after leadership development firm that equips leaders at all levels to facilitate and lead sustainable behavioral change. She partners with leaders and leadership teams to clarify their desired change, develop communicative competence, and think together, assessing their collective intelligence to bring about change. Team Catapult is a partner to mid-sized startups and global Fortune 500 companies across all sectors like entertainment, game development, banking, insurance, healthcare, communications, government, information, technology. Like, that's a lot, right? (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) Well, good job. Well, let's just get right into this. Marsha, tell us about your background, including any turning points in your life that has had a significant impact on you. Well, I often say, because I think it's helpful to understand a little bit about why I'm quite so passionate as you reflect on my background, but I'd say I'm a software engineer by education and first career. So I came up into the work world in the space of technology, and I cared a lot about improving things, making things better. You know, I think I spent a little bit of my, the first half of my career believing that change would happen and people's lives would get better if we could automate things or make things better. And I think what I learned along the way is that what I was really passionate about, and this this came to be over a number of years, but I was really passionate about 
helping people get connected and have conversations, which is in my first career, I worked a lot with the Department of Defense here in the U.S., and I spent a lot of time in very early on trying to help at that time five branches of service I actually come together and communicate with one another and develop sort of joint requirements for joint systems. So that was actually how I got introduced to facilitation and facilitation competencies. But one of the defining moments of my own career was really working with a large organization, was with another company at the time, and we were helping a leadership team bring about a huge organizational change that required a big move the org chart boxes around. And I noticed that it wasn't, while the process and sort of defining the process was really helpful, it was really about the personal aspects of change that were happening in that leadership team. And I watched them really grapple with different parts about how they were going to be impacted personally, how they were going to be impacted the decisions, how they were going to impact the people that they were leading. It was in that moment that I really began to understand at a more kind of DNA level why how we were communicating with one another was really the part about whether things would move forward or whether they would get stuck. And so it was a real defining moment for me. It's partly why I went off to coach training to become a coach, why I really, I didn't leave my engineering skills behind, but I also started to realize that in my own leadership, I felt like I was out over my skis because I'd learned how to define process and move things around, but I really never had learned how to work with other humans. And I think that was some of the gap that I started to experience. So that's some highlights of my own trajectory and why I'm so passionate about what I do today. Oh, that's great. That adds to the passion, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) And I've got a little side question for you, Marsha. How did you end up with this area of interest in your life? What led you to get into this field? I think it was that moment in my own leadership. It was not long after I started Team Catapult, so that happened in 2005. I started to realize that some of the things I was trying to make happen in the company, like the, it's, it was a startup at the time, the highs were high, the lows were low. And I really began to realize, I often say I was out over my skis. I could hire all the consultants that I wanted. We could tweak all the boxes about process and putting different things in place. But in, in a sense, I think we were missing the real conversation and I was missing the part that I was playing in it. And that's actually what sent me off to become a coach. I didn't go to coach training to learn to be a coach. I went because I wanted some better leadership skills. And that sort of set the trajectory of where I'm at today. But I didn't start there because I wanted to do this. It was it was really about how I was trying to up my own leadership. Okay, that's great. Well, that's a great place to start. <laughs> and for our listeners who are so amazing, I'm always so humbled and grateful the type of listeners that we have tune in. They're the type that share that kind of feeling that you just described. In other words, they're just very, they're, they're really trying to be aware and are aware of saying, I, I want to become my best. And they're aware of their potential and what their possibilities all but are, but also a search for how can I do better? How can I become my best? And so great going on that. Marsha, what gets in the way of change for organizations? and hold them back from really reaching their 
fullest potential, whether it's a team, an organization, or maybe even a family? Yeah. At the very simplest for me, it comes down to a challenge about how we communicate with one another. And I think it plays out in our what can feel like kind of innocuous conversations, day-to-day conversations that we talk and communicate with one another. I think a lot of times we think we're communicating when sometimes we're doing, you know, lots of other things. George Bernard Shaw, he's an Irish playwright, and he had a quote that is my, you're shaking your head, I'm certain you know what I'm about to say, but he said the, the greatest challenge in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. And I think that a lot of times we're trying to lead change or we want something different to happen. And I think we're not clear about how we're communicating with others and how others are trying to communicate with us. And so then it leads to a lot of talking over, talking past. And then we just sort of default to, we'll just do it because I said so. So we start to pull the positional power, which it doesn't leave anybody feeling included or part of that process. So I think a lot of times it comes down to communication. So maybe two questions, if you don't mind on this one, what gets in the way of effective communication and what are some good communication tips that you may have for us today? Well, I think one of the things that gets in the way is I've come to believe that we as a big collective, certainly in in business, in the space of business, kind of have a lot of baggage around this idea of communication. I think we believe that we already know how to do it. I mean, sure, I might buy a book on it, or I might be curious about it, but I, I think we have some baggage around, well, it's soft and fluffy, or I already do it. I do it all, all day long, Marsha. Like, why, why would I need to actually invest time or resources or certainly any concentrated thought in it. And I actually think that that is one of our biggest challenges with communication. So here's the question. If somewhere along the way, one of your listeners is thinking, I hear you, but I'm I'm good. I actually get some feedback that I'm pretty good at it. So here's my question. This is the litmus test. Have you ever had the experience or even the frustration of having the same conversation over and over again at work or at home. (laughs) Because if you have, then I would say that's your indicator, like that's your canary in the coal mine, that there's possibly a lot more to that conversation that you're missing. Okay. How about the (laughs) tips? Let's have some. Yeah, I love it. And by the way, we're just sunk. (laughs) I'm going to speak for Steve Schallenberger, not for anybody else, but I'm sunk if I think I've got this down. (laughs) As much as I've read, as much as I've practiced, I feel really so many times inadequate. And I loved your canary in the mind example. Are you having this discussion? How many times have you had the same discussion with the person? And so it's pretty humbling, I think, the realization that we've got a ways to go. So what are some of the best tips, Marcia, that from your experience that are helpful? I talk a lot about separating content, like the topic that we're talking about. So I've just left a meeting literally a couple of hours ago where we were talking about assignments of like who was going to work on what. So that's the topic. And then there is the how we're talking with one another. And so we'll all have been in that experience to that moment where we feel like the air just got sucked out of the room or we can't put our finger on it or we can't name it, but 
like something just happened and everybody got quiet or maybe maybe a couple of people got loud. So I think that, you know, the first tip is, can you separate the what we're talking about from the how we're talking? And like when those moments happen where the, the energy changes or the, the air gets sucked out of the room, if you can just let go of the what for a moment and then focus on how. So like a, a lot of times for me, if I feel like the air just left the room, I'll stop. Like I'll stop trying to move us forward on who's going to do what. And I'll just say, ah, like something just happened. Can I just check in with you? Like what's happening for you right now? And in the doing of that, I take our both, I hope that I take our attention off the thing that maybe is difficult to talk about. And then we start to focus on how we're communicating. I find that's a way to sort of bring the real conversation in the room. So that's the second tip or strategy that I have for folks is separate the what from the how. And then can you actually think about bringing the real conversation in the room? A lot of times I call them Groundhog Day conversations, like those conversations that keep repeating themselves. They're doing that because there's a bigger topic that we just haven't quite gotten to. So if we find ways to kind of bring the conversation in the room, whether that's one-on-one or with a group, that's the principle that we're always working towards. It doesn't mean it's easy. I actually, I mean, I think it's really hard. You made the comment a moment ago about, you know, we can maybe feel like there's an endless amount of work to do, but I think it's a practice. It is, it is for me too. I'm, I'm never going to, I'm never going to be perfect at it for sure. I love it. Thanks for separating the, you said the what from the how and something's going on. You feel a, a change in the emotion in the room and, you know, you just talk about it. You say something just happened. And, and how are, did you say, how are you doing? Or is something going on? Or- yeah, any of those. I, I will often say, like, what's happening for you in this conversation right now? And, and it really, it changes. It's inviting people to comment on, and as the meeting that I literally just left not too long ago with some of my teammates, it was, I'm actually feeling like things are getting pulled away from me or, this is what's really going on for me and why I'm reacting. And I'm like, oh, wow, like, you know, that's real data. That's not about the thing over here anymore that we were just talking about. But that gives us a different focus for the conversation. It changes the trajectory of the conversation. It changes the outcome. Like we stop trying to move the shells around on the table at a really surface level. And we're able, we're now able to create a a different space. Okay. And then it allows you to, as a leader and a fellow worker, and someone that cares in the relationship, maybe to hear some of the real issues and not have to feel like you're driving down a certain pathway because, you know, you can always come back to the pathway. And by being patient and just listening, it actually may facilitate that getting there much faster. I think sometimes it feels like we're going slower. For those of us who are have a propensity, certainly as leaders, to want to move things along or get things done or I was just working with a, a leadership team the other day and we were, I was talking to one of them about like this tendency to like look at the watch. I'm like, so what's that about? But I think the desire sometimes is to move things along. It's not wrong. I, we all have it. It certainly exists for me. But I think there <laughs> are places... Hold on. <laughs> where's, where's my watch? <laughs> yeah. But I think there are places where it costs us. To me, this is about finding range in our leadership. Like there are times where 
we do need to be the voice of moving things along or, or getting getting to task. And then there are places where, you know, that meeting that I'm referring to that literally has just happened, uh, we went over by about 45 minutes. I thankfully had a little bit of space. I think, you know, some other folks just sort of cleared their calendar, but I was willing to just create enough space to stay with it because I believe in in my model for change and leadership. It's crucial. Like I I know once we hit on a subject and I know we've had this kind of conversation before, like I really start to prioritize the value of sticking with it just long enough to really get at the core of of what's behind some of the risks, you know, resistance or breakdown or, or some conflict that's happening. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I admire your background and experience in this area. What happens if an individual in the workplace, in your personal life, keeps coming back to the same core issue? And maybe it's a, you know, down in the gut core issue and you've tried to understand it, but they can't get off of the core issue. And have you found something helpful? Like it can be frustrating to them, I'm sure. But, you know, as a a leader or somebody else, it's kind of anxious to move on. You want to hit that, but maybe that's exactly the wrong thing. And I I don't want to repeat the same question, but, you know, it's probably frustrating to them. And how can you shift the field of discussion so it's productive and positive? And then I have another question on leadership we'll move forward on. So one of the things that I think you're pointing to, and so often when we're working with leaders and leadership teams, we we have a whole technology that we give them for being able to sort out and actually make sense of the conversation that's happening in real time. And so without unpacking all of that, I'd say, you know, I think there's a couple of things that are happening if that keeps repeating itself. One is having those conversations. Have you really have both parties, both you as a leader and and the other person really done your best to come forward, have dialogue, you know, engage in dialogue and, and be able to name what's really going on. And then to work through that. And sometimes, like I do think there are places and instances where it's not, you know, what's happening for the other person or why you're getting that resistance maybe isn't a, isn't something where they need to feel heard or seen or you need to engage in dialogue or or both of you need to shift perspectives and thinking like you've really tried it. And sometimes I think it just becomes a, a performance issue. You know, there is a challenge or there's something to be said to someone that's about, I hear you and I'm needing you. You know, I'm at this place, I feel like we've addressed these things and I need to move on. Or, or we just decide that, it, you know, this might not be working. So I think for leaders, it is about taking a systems view, like what's happening that's creating this for someone what part am I playing in it as a leader? What part do I own? What part do they own? And are they taking responsibility for it? And sometimes people will, and sometimes people won't. And then I think it's a conversation for a leader to suss out, okay, so is this a, a thing that we need to change conversation or dialogue around? Or is this maybe a performance issue or is it, it's just not working? And so I think those two things are, are separate. Thank you so much for your response on that, Marcia. One of the things that you've talked about is something called leadership range. What is leadership range and how can that be helpful to a leader? If we think about leader, so I I hold that any of us can demonstrate leadership. There's, There's the ability to demonstrate leadership from anybody. And then there's positional leader, you know, a CEO, VP, director. And in any of those cases, Sometimes if you ask people like what they think about leadership, they'll often say something to the effect of, 
it's the person setting direction or making the final decision. And yes, that's a aspect of it, right? But I think for me, it's about all of us growing our range. So our ability to step forward, to make moves, to set direction, to say, you know, this is where we're going. And like I was just saying, that ability to quell the need to like check the clock or move something forward and actually to step back and where are the places that I I actually need to create more space for others to make a move or for others to make a move and for me to be able to follow or support what they're doing. Where can I get behind the idea or where can I step back and create more space? So with the belief, as I share kind of what's in my model for that, I have a belief that when people are able to put their fingerprints on things or when they're able to feel heard and seen, they're more likely to move something forward. And it doesn't mean that I won't make a final decision, but I I do believe in creating that space. So for me, leadership range is always this concept of where do I need to stretch or grow in my ability to sort of bring the behavior that's needed the most in the moment. Versus, you know, sometimes I think leaders can get caught up saying, well, that's not like me. And I'm like, well, sure, we all have preferences, but we can change our behavior. Like we can take a different action in the moment just by, you know, starting to become more aware of the impact we're having on others. From your point of view and your experience, your background, what's the number one tip? I don't know if you could put it that way or number one thing that a leader can do better or differently to facilitate sustainable change within their team or organization? The one place I would point leaders is what's the quality of the conversation that you're having? Like, do you have a way of taking the temperature? Do people push back for things that you put forward? Are you finding ways to support what others are doing? You know, or is it just Do you just sort of always find yourself being the one that sets direction and you're expecting others to follow? So I think it's about looking at the conversation. Am I creating places where we're moving things forward? But am I also creating places where I get curious and I stop my propensity to sort of drive forward? So I think it's about that range. And to me, the way we're engaging the communication is sort of the number one It's the number one flag or temperature check. And for others, they might have other ways of sort of assessing that. But I think that is, to me, the number one thing we can do. Is the conversation they have. You talked about a model, that you have a model for change. What is the model? (laughs) Well, I think that the important part is that we define a model. And so by that, I mean, I think we all go about, well, I'll speak for myself. So a number of years ago, I would have said, you lead change by (laughs) mapping out a process and telling people to get on board. And that would definitely not be, that is a model. It it might be someone's model today. I think the point of it is, is that I'm a real advocate for, have you sat down as a leader and taken the time to really think through what is it that you're trying to change? And what do you believe about how that thing changes? So as you hear me talk today in my model for leading change, At the core of it is a belief that no one changes until they feel seen and understood and that communication is the mechanism. So I'm really helping leaders affect change in terms of behavior and communication. And I'll place that above pretty much anything else because I I know I've watched it play out. I've, I've seen the evidence of it coming forward. So that's a little bit of like my model for how change happens. 
I don't have the lock on how change happens, but I'm a real big advocate for all of us as leaders doing the work to say, have you sat down and thought about it? Like, what is it when you're stepping forward in an organization, you're likely going to have a slightly different model than I do. So I'm not advocating for one way or another, but I'm definitely advocating for having done the thought work to what am I trying to change? What do I believe about range in my leadership? What do I believe about how leadership best happens and gets demonstrated in an organization? And what am I going to do to help bring that forward? So I'm just a really big advocate of doing the thought and thinking, because I think that's where clarity and confidence comes for us as leaders. And then when we step into those tacky, uncertain moments, there's, there's more clarity in what to do. So being thoughtful. So are you saying, let's just talk about this. We have a few minutes left, but I'm grateful for the ideas and the thoughts that we're talking about today because I think they're helpful to leaders. So a leader helps create a vision, a direction, and a plan. Here's how a strategy. Here's how we're going to get to it. And then I love your range of leadership, and but really the power of that is participation of others of helping engage in that vision and strategy and plan where ultimately they're going to execute. Is that what you're saying? So the central part of this that facilitates it is the communication, the types of conversations that we have that makes it come alive for an organization. Is that what you're saying, kind of? And that you've sat down and given it some thought about what that would look like for you. How would it show up in your behavior? What are some of the things that you would prompt for? What trips you up? You know, I think one of the things I said a moment ago about, you know, when you're looking at your conversation, do you welcome opposition? Like, is it okay for people to push back on things that you say? And if so, to think that intellectually is one thing to actually practice it in the moment can be really difficult. Like to truly, like, I think that can feel pretty vulnerable to open yourself up to say, you know, I might have it wrong or where might I have it wrong? Is that in your leadership model? It's in mine. It doesn't, just because it's in mine doesn't mean that it has to be in yours, but I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for you doing the thinking work. Like, is it? And if so, or if not, then what is in your model? How would you go about that? So I think spending the time just getting really clear. Well, this has been a helpful and valuable visit today. And before we sign off and before we hear about how people can learn about you, uh, final tips for our listeners today that you might offer them. I think never underestimate the power of something that can seem so simple as communication. I think it's, it can be the canary in the coal mine about where things are moving forward and maybe where you're stuck. So I think there's a lot of value in the space of communication. Okay, great advice. Okay, Marsha, how can people find out about you and what you're doing? Probably one of the easiest ways is to connect to me on LinkedIn. Marsha Acker, A-C-K-E-R is the last name. And you can also find out about the book at buildyourmodel.com. So there's a free excerpt in a couple of chapters that we include as a download on that site. So that's probably the easiest way to track me down. Well, congratulations on the work that you're doing. You're helping uh, many, many people. And we wish you all the best, Marsha. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate the conversation today. And to our listeners, uh, we're so grateful that you would join in today. We admire and applaud your efforts to become your best, to 
to be thinking about what is my best look at and keep trying. Because in the very process of doing that, you are blessing other people every single day. So thank you for joining us. This is Steve Schallenberger, your host, signing off, wishing you a great day. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Your Best podcast. If there was something in this podcast that you felt would be helpful for a family member, a friend, or even a coworker, we invite you to share this podcast with them now while you're thinking about it. Also, remember to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Now, for additional resources and tools, such as how to join our monthly P performance coaching program, or how to get certified as a trainer or coach, or schedule a workshop or keynote, you can visit our website at becomingyourbest.com. We're here to provide you and your team with the resources, tools, and content to achieve your greatest potential. So thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and a great week.